What's up, everyone? This is the one and only Nick Andre. And look, if you're a fan of everything that I do, whether it's writing, podcasting, or anything basketball content related, make sure to subscribe to my playback room. I will be live every Friday live streaming an NBA game. So I will be talking everything about the game itself alongside various topics revolving around basketball. So make sure to tune in, man. Make sure to subscribe. I will leave the link in the description. And let's get into the episode. for the love of the game this is your one and only nick andre i appreciate everybody who is tuned in appreciate all the love that you guys continuously give me for this podcast great reviews um you know just recently dropped the episode with my brother francis on the memphis tigers make sure to check that out and also make sure to check out all the previous episodes that have dropped over the past few months um been a great day today for me been listening to a lot of hove happy birthday jay-z my guy, my favorite rapper of all time. And on top of that, they watch some high-level hoops for the in-season tournament. So, Shout-out to the Indiana Pacers, who just got the win now, and I believe the Kings and Pelicans will be playing. So you guys will obviously know the result of that by the time this drops. But without further ado, man, let's dive into this around-the-world hoop talk, man. As always, you know, I got to start with the women. So let's dive into some women's college basketball and – I want to talk about a particular player. Um, so the freshman class has been sensational. Uh, we see what Juju Watkins has been doing at USC. And I'll be real, she, she is definitely in contention for National Player of the Year. You know, what she's been able to do has just been incredible. And for those who have watched her, even at Sierra Canyon, we already knew that she was capable of doing this. Um, Hannah Hidalgo out at Notre Dame. Uh, perfect situation for her to play under head coach Neil Ivy, and she's been just sensational as well. And on top of that, man, I cannot wait until Olivia Miles comes back because that backcourt is going to be flat out sensational. Then you have Malaysia Full Wiley out of South Carolina, another another great pick, another great recruit by Miss Don Staley. Um, Malaysia has just been sensational this year, you know, especially in the second unit for South Carolina. And it's part of the reason why they are the number one team in the country. However, I think people need to pay more attention to Ms. Talia Scott out at Arkansas, averaging 23 points a game, which is first in the SEC, four rebounds, shooting around 41, 42% from the field. Um, so it's funny because I have a, I have a guy – of a mutual on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And he's been telling me about Talia for some time. Now he's like, bro, you got to check her out, bro. You got to check her out, bro. You got to check her out. And it wasn't that I didn't want to check her out. It was just, you know, I'm super busy. You know, I'm always working on different things. So sometimes I don't have time to be able to actually sit down and watch certain players or a certain team, you know, and eventually I will get to them. But in that moment, I'm just not able to do it. So, as people may know, I cover the Seminoles, Florida State Seminoles, both men and women's teams. So this past Thursday, they played Arkansas in the ACC SEC Challenge. So I'm like, okay, cool, this is gonna be a good game. Um, and I must say, she was she was great. 
she was flat out great. I know that people may look at the numbers. You know, she, I don't want to say she, she shot like nine for 20 from the floor or something like that. But, you know, she was just in attack mode from the beginning. And she was really one of the tone setters for Arkansas in that big win. You know, I mean, let's just be real. They beat they beat Florida State's ass, especially in the second half, outscoring the 24 to six in that third quarter. And the leading player was Talia Scott. Um, one thing that stands out to me about her is because she is an elite three-level scorer. But her bread and butter has been getting to the basket and taking high percentage shots. If you allow any opening, if you have any driving lane that's open, she's going to attack that. And she's going to finish with either a high percentage shot or she's going to be able to draw contact and get to the free throw line. And she's averaging seven free throws a game for this season, which is actually really, really incredible. So that's really what stands out to me about her. And on top of that, I mean, and look, I mean, Honestly, I know that she loves to attack the basket, but she she is shown to be an elite perimeter scorer too. You know, especially off the bounce. I mean, to me, she just has a certain type of swagger and a certain type of confidence that really stands out to me. And you know, it's part of the reason why she has had so many great scoring per game. I think she had, I think she's had like three or four games where she scored twenty five plus points, and she's had one thirty four point game. I want to say it was against Arkansas State or something like that. I have to go back and look, but. I'll be real, man. That's that's somebody that people need to keep their eye on. And I'll be real, like with with the way that she's playing and the start that Arkansas has gone off to, it's just, it's just another indication that the SEC is just so superior. You know, I mean, I know people rave about South Carolina, and then of course LSU with Angel Reese coming back and everything, but like the SEC is really, 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 really good as a whole. Arkansas is one of them. Um, I think Alabama got like a big win last week or the week before. So people need to, like, really put some respect on the SEC, you know, and really understand that it's not just, you know, two or three teams that are really dominating. You know, it's a lot of other teams as well. Uh, I know that Tennessee has kind of been in the funk recently, but, you know, they'll be all right as well. But Talia Scott, definitely a name to keep an eye out for. Shout out to my brother, you know, for, you know, hounding me about watching her play. And I'm impressed. You know, I think that – I to me, I think she has true, true tangibles of a leader. And – we're going to see that as as her college career progresses. So right now she's showing it, and she's only going to get better as time goes on. So like I said, that's a name that people need to look out for. She's only going to continue to shine and get better. And, you know, we'll just see how the rest of this season progresses and, you know, what's next for her moving forward in her college career. Switching gears, next topic. Let's talk about the in-season tournament. Um, I touched on it a little bit um, a few episodes ago. Shout out to my brother, Mo Murphy. We we dove into a lot of the a lot of the in season tournament, probably for about forty five minutes or something like that. Um, like I said, like I said before, I gotta commend Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA for making for figuring out ways to be creative when it comes to the regular season. Because I'll be real, and you know, I've been a fan of the NBA for a very very long time, but I I'll, I'll say this: um, I think the past few years, the regular season. And look, I'm not gonna say that the regular season has not been great over the past few years, but I must say as a fan who has been watching since, since I probably can barely walk the past few years, haven't really been as exciting. Now, look, we, we definitely had moments, you know, like for instance, like last year, Donovan Mitchell has 71, Damian Lillard has 71 on top of that. You know, we still see guys like LeBron still showing us that he can play at a high level at age 38, 39 years old. So I'm not going to say that we've, we've had bad basketball, but, you know, it is an 82-game season, and, you know, we're going to see a lot of teams coast through the year and not give 100%. 
You know, like for instance, like people talk about how the Miami Heat they coasted the regular season. People talk about how Jimmy Butler coasted throughout the regular season. And then when the playoffs come around, this man is Michael Jordan 2.0. You know what I'm saying? So this 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 idea of the in-season tournament has been incredible. And the one thing that I've loved about it is, especially coming into the tournament, I was really excited to see what a lot of the young teams were going to do because this is an opportunity for them to be in that type of playoff atmosphere because a lot of these young teams – don't have playoff experience, or if they do have playoff experience, they're probably swept in the first round. So now this is this is a chance for them to be able to play at the highest level. And I know I know it's still early in the season, and I know that a lot of teams are still looking to find the rhythm and the chemistry, but this is a dope opportunity for for especially like young teams to be able to play at a high level and figure out you know what it takes to really win. And you know, I think we've seen that so far. A team in particular the team that just won in advance, the Indiana Pacers, like I mentioned earlier in the show, they've been incredible. Tyrese Halliburton, I'll be real, man. You know, I think even besides the end season tournament, he, he's had an incredible year. I think he had like 44, 45 against Miami last week. Um, I think his name's got to be up there in the MVP list, man. You know, I think he's just been incredible. But also, it's not just Halliburton. You know, it's been the rest of the team. You know, I think the pickup of Bruce Brown has been sensational for them. Obviously, you still got guys like Buddy Hill, you know, Miles Turner's playing sensational basketball on both ends of the floor. And I think it really showed that in this game against Boston. And I think one thing that stood out is that, you know, the way that they were able to dictate the pace because I think Boston was trying to slow them down with the defense. But luckily, they were fine. They were able to find ways to really maneuver that and still being able to play their style of basketball. So, you know, that's definitely a team that I've been impressed with. Um Obviously, the Lakers, I want to say the Lakers went undefeated as well. They've been playing their, their best basketball in, in the in-season tournament. And I'll be real, man, you know, I think in this next week or so, man, we're about to see some high-level basketball. Actually, currently, I have the Pelicans and the Kings. These are two exciting young teams playing next to me. Like I said earlier, you know, we're, I mean, we're definitely going to have the results of this game by the time by the time uh, this episode does drop. But, you know, I've been impressed with the in-season tournament, man. You know, it's only going to get better, man. I'm, I'm excited for the championship. Who do I think should win? To be honest, I I want to see the Pacers win. I want to see them win some. It's like I said earlier. Um, I want to see a young team really prove themselves. And the Pacers are one of those young teams that have proved themselves in this in-season tournament. They just beat Boston. And on top of that, I think it's best that they try to figure out a way to finish strong. I think that they can do it. I think that, that they have the team to do it. They obviously have the right head coach. Rick Carlisle is a champion with Dallas back in 2011. So I think they have everything that it takes to win, man. But, you know, besides that, I've been a fan of this in-season tournament. It has definitely been a success, and it is only going to get better as the season or as, like, throughout the years as time goes on. You know, it's kind of the same thing with with uh, with the play-in, uh, you know, with those last few seeds. You know, I know a lot of people were confused about it back then, but, you know, we've seen a lot of high-level hoops from there, and it's the same thing with this in-season tournament. And, you know, like I say, you know, I'm really, really excited about it. And in year one, it has definitely exceeded expectations. What's up, you guys? This is the one and only Nick Andre. And I just want to let you guys know, in case you guys have been living under a rock, I do have a new series that's currently going on right now titled Underrated Duels on my Patreon channel. It's where I dive back into a lot of one-two punches and a lot of one-two tandems in past NBA history who may have not won a championship, may not get recognized, but did do some damage as a unit. So, Make sure to check that out. Make sure to subscribe to my Patreon. And without further ado, let's get back into the episode. Switch gears again. 
Let's dive into the men's college side, man. I want to talk about a particular game that a lot of people were excited about that happened this past Friday. Kansas against UConn. I want to say UConn was number four and Kansas was number five, or it could have been, you know, the other way around. But this was a very high-level game, very high-level game. Give credit to Kansas for getting the win. They ended up winning by four, 69-65, giving UConn their first loss of the season. Excuse me. Um, I'll be real. Like, and I went back and watched the game today. The first half looked like it could have been a blowout. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll be real. Kansas was locked in defensively. They were just locked in from the beginning. They took UConn out of the comfort zone. UConn was not UConn was not able to get any offensive sets going. It was really basically, you know, hound them until the shot clock runs out and then get another opportunity on offense. But I'm going to say the one person, or the only reason why UConn was in that game was Tristan Newt. He was their best scorer. Clearly, I mean, obviously he's the best one on the team, but he was their most consistent scorer that night. You know, just being able to figure out ways to overcome that physical Kansas defense and just really being able to still score at a high level, it was really impressive. And I want to say, you know, he really did set the tone because in the second half, UConn definitely played better style basketball in the second half. They were able to run some of the offensive sets. We saw a lot of dribble handoff action, a lot of screen action to freak guys open. And, you know, that was really pretty much how they got back into the game. Uh, Give credit to Kansas. You know, I think they played a really, really great game. Kevin McCuller, one of my personal favorites in the country, um, came up huge down the stretch. I think he knocked down like three or four threes um, down the stretch. He He ended up hitting one three to put Kansas up 55 to 54. He hit another three after that, and then I want to say probably two minutes later, he he hit a corner three to pretty much put the icing on the cake. So this was a great win by Kansas. I know a lot of people are really, really high on them. There are people out there that actually believe that they are the best team in the country. And I want to say right now, the the new AP poll of the week came out, and they are number two, so they're definitely up there. But one thing that I'll say, man, you know, if I'm, if I'm UConn, I know that, you know, it is the first loss of the year, and I know that I know that they lost a really like really great superior team, but I'm not I'm not gonna have my head down because I'll be real. I mean, besides Tristan Newton, there was really no other real production offensively. Cam Spencer didn't have a good offensive shooting performance. Um, I don't think Solomon Hill had a really good shooting performance as well. I want to say it was Cam. Cam had 31, and I think I can't remember exactly, but somebody else had 10 points. So there was only two players in double figures, and they only lost by four points. So I'll be real. Like if I'm UConn. Obviously, we're going to go back and we're going to figure out, you know, what we did right, what we did wrong, how can we continue to improve. But I'm not going to like if I'm UConn, I'm not getting too caught up in this game at all. You know, I thought that I thought they played really great basketball, especially in the second half to get themselves back into the game. And, and of course, giving them like a two or three point lead and just being able to just being able to compete down the stretch with this team for sure. So, like I say, you know, UConn, I know that UConn lost, but, you know, if I'm them, I'm not I'm not keeping my head down about this one. I mean, obviously, they're going to bounce back, you know, as the season goes on. Then the last topic I want to talk about, this is actually a very, very touchy situation to me, man, because this is one of my personal favorite players that I've ever watched play as a child. Um, for those who may not know or for those who do know, but they may ignore it, um, if you follow WNBA legend Cappy Pondexter on Instagram, then you know that she's posted a lot of outrageous things 
Uh, she's posted Rihanna and her baby. She's posted Beyonce and Jay-Z and their family. Like, it's just a lot of random posts with, like, weird captions that I don't even know have anything to do with the photo. But it sparks concern, you know. And I'll be real. I mean, this, you know, and she's recently done it. And this isn't her first go around doing it. And it's crazy because, like, she'll have moments where it seems like she's in her right mind and she's posting pics of her or pics, you know, highlights of her, you know, when she played in the league. And then she has these spurts where she posts random stuff like like I just talked about before. So obviously for me, it's, it's a concern and, you know, it makes me sad in a way. Um, actually, right now, I'm trying not to really get too emotional about it. But for those who know me, Cappy is the reason why I even got or is the reason why I even fell in love with women's basketball. I can vividly remember me being on summer vacation in a WNBA game is on NBA TV. And I'm just watching Cappy hoop, and I'm like, "Yo, this 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 woman is sensational." I'll be real. I started watching the W in 2011, so I missed out on the days when she played next to Diana Taurasi and Penny Taylor and the rest of those team and being able to win two titles in three years. But when I watched Cappy with the with the Liberty, that was what made me say, "Yo, like this is legit," and it made me pay attention to women's basketball as a whole moving forward. That was in 2011, and you know, for me to see her, you know, in this type of condition, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Like, I don't, I don't know what she's going through personally. I mean, obviously, I don't know her. So, like, at least personally. So, I can't really, I can't necessarily accuse her of being on any meds or any drugs or anything. But, like, seeing posts like that on her Instagram page is definitely something that needs to be addressed. Um, I don't know if there's been any current or former W players or people working around the W that's tried to reach out to her. Or anything, but I think that this is something that we just cannot ignore. You know, I think you know Cappy is one of the pioneers of women's basketball. She's one of the top twenty-five greatest players in WNBA history. She has played she has played a crucial role in why this why the women's game has grown. And for me and others to see her, you know, in these type of conditions, you know, I think it's just definitely a sad thing. And you know, I really hope that she could find a way to get the help that she needs. And you know. And just you know, be like, just live a better lifestyle because I think what we're seeing right now is just really, really sad. Especially me as a personal Cappy fan. But that's all that I'm going to talk about today, man. Appreciate everybody for listening. Make sure to follow. Make sure to follow the podcast on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Love the TGB ball. Make sure to follow myself at Nick Andre ATR. Um, definitely subscribe on any platform that you listen to the podcast: Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google Podcasts, you name it. Um, make sure to check out not only this episode, but all the previous episodes, like I mentioned earlier, I will be back Thursday and I have, I have a dynamic duo in this podcast game. That's going to be on the show. Um, some people may know what I'm talking about. Some people may not know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention their names, but they are definitely very, very knowledgeable when it comes to the game of basketball, both men and women's side. So we're going to dive into a lot of things, hoops, man. And I hope that the people enjoy it, man. But until next time, you guys. Deuces.